The Lord be with you all. Today we gather to join all of creation in praising God, the whirling snow and the howling wind of this week praised their maker. The icicles art praised God. Tomorrow we will try to discern how slush praises God. And we, made in God's image, also praise our Lord by our very being. Join me in the call to worship that is printed in your bulletin. Praise God, all the earth, you sea monsters and all depths, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy winds that fulfill God's word. Praise God, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild beasts and all tame animals, creeping things and flying birds. Let the rulers of the earth and all peoples and all the judges of the earth, men and women alike, old and young, together, let them praise the name of God, whose name alone is exalted, whose majesty is above earth and heaven, and who has raised the fortunes of the people. Praise God, all you faithful ones, children of Israel, the people close to God. Alleluia. Praise God. Continue to worship God by turning in your blue hymnal to number 71, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. And if it suits, please stand. Now we're changing books to the green one. Sing the journey, number 59. This song is very much in contrast to Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. 59. Thank you. 
As we pray today, a few items of prayer are not in the bulletin, so I'll tell you about those before we pray together. Don and Libby Raber are both experiencing health concerns. Claude Swartzendruber underwent triple bypass surgery on Wednesday and then suffered another heart attack and is in the hospital again now. Brent Blau, the fiance of Mary White, suffered a heart attack and is now in treatment. Mary has good news. Her cancer treatments have been effective and she shows no sign of disease. Caleb Gunawan completed his next round of treatment in New York and tomorrow he begins radiation. And Felipe Marino is currently in Texas helping immigrants with legal issues. We have a lot of people in our community to pray for today. Come with me in prayer. Lord Jesus, come and fill our hearts with your peace. We live in a world in desperate need of your peace and love, and we pray this morning that you will fill us up to be vessels of your peace and love in our local and global community. We pray for those grieving for loved ones, particularly for Jay Bontrager and his family grieving the death of his brother-in-law. Jesus, fill our hearts with your peace. We pray for those suffering and suffering pain in both body and spirit. This morning we especially lift up Don and Libby and their family, Claude and Shirley and their family, Mary White and Brent Blau and Irvin Beck and all of the families of those who deal with pain. Caleb and his parents and his siblings and his grandparents are also on our hearts. We pray that Martin, Chica, and Caleb in New York and the rest of the family here in Goshen will all feel your loving arms wrapped around them. For all those with unnamed pain, we pray for your tender mercy. Jesus, fill our hearts with your peace. We lift up to you those who are cold or hungry who do not have adequate shelter and warmth. We thank you for the gifts of Felipe, and we pray for him as he helps our brothers and sisters in Texas. Open our eyes and our ears to know about people in need, and open our hearts to help them. Jesus, fill our hearts with your peace. We lift to your care Margaret and Lance Hall as they await the arrival of their baby in March. Prepare them to welcome this little one into the world and prepare us to surround them and show them your love and care. We celebrate Mary White's good health. We rejoice with Jay Bontrager at the birth of a new granddaughter. We give you thanks for continued good recovery for Mary Martin. Jesus, fill our hearts with your peace. As evidenced with record low temperatures this week, your earth is groaning with the violence that we have done to it. Stir our hearts to do all we can to care for this beautiful earth you created. Jesus, fill our hearts with your peace. In your name we pray. Amen. Please turn to number 56 in your blue hymnal, 56, and children, you can come forward while we sing. We will sing this one time through in unison and then two more times in a canon, in a round, starting with group one, group two, and group three. <clears throat> Always, 
Good morning. It's good to see all of you. I don't know if you read in the bulletin um, what I named our children's time this morning, or if your parents told you, but we're going to talk about trees today and stars too, but I wonder how those fit together. We'll, we'll come back to that. Hold that thought up. First, I want to share with you from our scripture passage from today, but I need your help a little bit. So whenever you hear the word praise, I want you to lift your hands up high like this. Can you practice? All right. And then after the word praise, put them right back down so you can put them right back up again, okay? Because there's a lot of them. And then listen for the phrase, shining stars. And when you hear that, I raise your hands and make like twinkling, shining stars, okay? You ready? All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. You folks can join in too if you'd like. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all you angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him in the highest heaven and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded them and they were created. That's a lot of praises, isn't it? Did you hear how the shining stars are encouraged to praise God too? Did you hear that in there? So where do trees come, come from? We didn't, we didn't say anything about trees. Yeah, seeds, that's right. Yes, but if we were to go further in Psalm 148, um, you'd be hearing more about trees praising as well. I want to show you a little bit of why we're talking about trees and stars today. So I'm going to pass these baskets around and want you to each take a little bundle. And they, um, each bundle has two little sticks. Maybe Talasha, if you could help. Um, you can pass them around, okay? A couple of months ago, um, a daughter of one of our uh, church members um, stopped by. It was one of our church members who died a few years ago, and her daughter was visiting the Goshen area, and she stopped by and brought a box of these little branches because she wanted us to see the marvelous gift that is in, um, inside of these little branches. Now, I wonder if you look at the ends of your branches, I think everybody has some now, what do you see? And go ahead and, and shout it out. Stars, that's right. I wonder how those got there, but they're pretty, pretty amazing. It almost looks as if somebody took a, a special stamp and stamped those stars in there. Do you think that's what happened? Nope, that's not what happened. Those stars occur naturally in the branches of this tree. That is pretty cool. What do you think, Zeph? That's true. Trees reach high up and they reach up toward the stars. And we're going to hear a little bit more of that, that connection. Well, this, the center of the branch, um, if you look, at, look carefully at the stars in your little branch pieces, that's called the pith of the branch. And somehow this tree formed these stars. And now you won't find these stars in every single branch of this tree, which I'll tell you what tree it comes from in just a moment. But it comes, you have to look for these little um, knobby parts. This one has a big one. And this shows where there's growth in the, the branches. 
and the stars shoot up through that section of the branch. And if, uh, so if you're going out and looking for these, you'll have these to take with you, but you have to look for a knobby part, and then you have to cut it clean. Like, you can't just break it, because then you'll break the star, but you have to cut it clean, so. Well, as I learned about the stars in these branches from the cottonwood tree, can you say that with me, cottonwood tree? I was delighted by this hidden treasure, and I like to think of these branches, like Zeph was saying, they both reach up high, reaching up high toward the heavens with the stars hidden within their little branches, trying to make a connection between the ground and the sky. I think that these branches are also really special because they come from the cottonwood tree, which often gets a bad rap. People either really like the cottonwood tree or they really don't like the cottonwood tree. And that's because they, um, they can be really messy. In the springtime, they have these cotton seeds. Have you ever seen these where they just float around in the air? They're white and fluffy and they float around. Well, they get in people's gutters, they get in people's air conditioners, they make messes in the water, like of lakes and ponds and rivers. So that's why some people really don't like them very much, because they can be really messy. But I think it's really beautiful when the fluffy clouds of cotton seeds are floating around. And they have these beautiful stars inside that we now know about. There are... Um, Native American tribes that really treasured the cottonwood trees. And that is because they found them very useful. They used them for, for shade and fuel and for building. Some Native American peoples, they made canoes out of the cottonwood um, tree trunks. And they also used the bark of the tree for um, medicinal tea. They probably used that too, yeah. But they found ways to use the cottonwood tree. And um, some of the Great Plains tribes, uh, the Cheyenne and the Arapaho, have a story about the cottonwood tree that they have passed down from generation to generation. Now, I'm not going to tell you that whole story now, but it does have to do with the heavens needing more stars and the branches reaching up to the sky with their stars inside. So you can explore that on your own later if you'd like to. We can see a connection between these little branches and the stars that we see overhead at night because we know that God created both of them. And we know that uh, the psalmist calls all of creation to praise God. So these little branches can be a reminder for you to praise, a reminder that all of creation can praise God in its own different ways. The stars shine and shine brightly and twinkle, and these cottonwood trees, they have sort of a quiet, hidden praise to God. So as you go today, uh, take these branches with you, and you have two of them there. One is for you to keep, and the other is for you to share with someone else. And you can tell them that the trees talk praise to God, and you can show them how the cottonwood tree does that through its little stars. So let's pray together. Creator God, thank you for the gift of the cottonwood tree from its tiny stars inside that reach out in praise to you to the snowy, fluffy cotton seeds that we see in the springtime, which is a sign of, sign of spring and, and growth and change. Thank you for each of these children who are shining stars in our midst. 
Help them each to praise you in their own unique way. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you can get your worship bags and return to your seats. <clears throat> hymn number 61 in the blue hymnal. This is not a very familiar song. It was written in 1609, so it's not a recent song either. Um, I'm asking Eric to play the first line through, and then we will sing all three verses with the piano. <clears throat> Our preacher this morning is pastoral team leader, Phil Waite. Let's pray together as we come into a time of listening. God, thank you for Phil, your good creation. Bless him as he preaches your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. This is Psalm 148, which is becoming familiar to us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth. You sea monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, Stormy wind fulfilling his command, 
mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people, Praise for all his faithful, for the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. The word of the Lord. I'm going to see if you recognize these words. No more let sin, nor sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make... His glories flow far as the curse is found. Anybody know? Anybody recognize where those words are from? You, you know them. So a few, a few hands are going up. My guess is that, no, no you're timid. So I need to, I, I want to, this is like a quiz. How about if I, if I uh, try it this way? No more let sin nor sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. Funny how that works, isn't it? Uh, I told you that you knew those words, that you are familiar with them. The person who wrote that, the hymn writer, Isaac Watts, very prominent uh, hymn writer for those of you who are, who are interested in those things, uh, used the word thorns as a metaphor. Uh, no more let sin nor sorrow grow nor thorns infest the ground. For Watts, thorns was a metaphor for the curse, as he calls it. For as the curse is found, the things in the natural world that aren't right, that aren't the way that we think that they should be. For me, and I, I, I suspect each of us has a metaphor for thorns, for the things that aren't right in the natural world, the, the things that, that we would identify, identify. And my guess is that those things have a story. So my metaphor for the curse is ticks. Ticks. Uh, I, I mean, just the word right now, as I speak, I say ticks. Chills are going up and down my spine. Maybe some of you are having the same experience. Ticks, I'm glad it's winter because I don't have to worry about ticks. And one of the blessings, if you will, of this recent week's weather was thinking about what might be happening to all that, those, those, the ticks in the ground. You got to look on the bright side, right? Ticks. And the story for me behind ticks has to do with our little dog, Moses. We got Moses maybe about a year and a half before our family moved to Goshen uh, in, in Kansas. And that spring in Kansas, we moved uh, in May, that spring there was a massive tick infestation. It was horrible. I mean, they, were, they, were, they were everywhere. I mean, you could look and see them crawling on the outside of buildings. It was like, uh, it was awful. There were ticks. And we moved to Goshen, and maybe a couple of months after we moved, Moses got very ill. He was a puppy. He was a year-and-a-half-old puppy. Got very ill, and he died. And the best guess that we, can, that we have for what killed Moses was that he had an autoimmune disease that he contracted from ticks. So I have a story uh, that goes with my metaphor for the curse ticks. 
Now, Watts says, for as the curse is found, and the curse is found all over the place, right? It's all over the place. You, uh, you may notice that I've stopped using my, my, uh, my Bible to read the scripture uh, because I'm, I've, I've gone off progressive lenses, and so I have to print out a large print uh, on paper, large, the, the Bible in large print, the scripture in large print. Uh, the curse <laughs> is everywhere. It's sitting here in this room all over the place. We know from our experience, we know deep in our hearts that things aren't Right, far as the curse is found. The challenge that we have as Christians is not to confuse the curse with creation itself. Not to confuse the curse with creation itself. Sometimes we dismiss all of creation or aspects of creation, ticks or thorns or our own bodies, our our eyes. We We dismiss them because of the curse and because we confuse the curse with God's good creation. The distinction is important. Uh, the theologian Stanley Hauerwas, who, who wrote in his biography, by the way, this is an aside just to make a personal connection, he wrote in his biography, uh, Hannah's Child, about coming to this very building. And he told a story about coming to this very building. I won't tell the story, but just to say that uh, he's not an abstract, he's a real person who came to this place, um, was probably here in this room at one point in time. So Hauerwas makes a point of distinguishing between nature and creation. And it's okay to, 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 to speak of nature, to speak of the natural world, But he wanted to say that we look at the natural world and we see something different than just nature. We see creation. When we look at the natural world, we see its brutality, ticks and thorns. We see the curse everywhere. We we see a kind of zero-sum, eat or be eaten, existence. But when we look through the lens of creation, through the lens of faith, we see something else. We see its sanctity. We see its beauty. We see its goodness. And we see glimpses of the creator, the one who created Uh, Trevor Bechtel, another Mennonite theologian with ties, uh, deeper ties to this congregation. Uh, His wife, Susan Hunsberger, grew up here. Arlen and Naomi. Arlen, I saw you come in. Arlen and Naomi's um, son-in-law. And he here on this campus several years ago gave the C. Henry Smith lecture. And he was talking about his work with what he calls the Anabaptist bestiary project. He's written a book. He's written a book that, 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 about his findings. And his uh, proposition, if you will, is this. That in the animal kingdom, as brutal as it is, as much as it is eat or be eaten, we see glimpses of the peaceable kingdom. The vision from Isaiah, the lion and the lamb shall lie down 
together. We see glimpses of it. We see stories of it. We see hints of it. And those hints are signs of creation, signs of God's goodness, even in the midst of the curse, extending far and wide. So this morning, I want to, to invite us to some, some reflection and to some practices. I'd like us to consider the word blasphemy. You saw that title. I suspect a number of people stayed away this morning when they saw the sermon title. Um, and I regret it. I regret. I, I wish that I'd come up with another sermon title like Thorns and Ticks or something like that. Would have been a better sermon title than blasphemy. Blasphemy is a bad word. And uh, a, lot has, a lot of evil has been done in the name of blasphemy or because of blasphemy, right? There are laws in some countries about blasphemy, about insulting or dishonoring God or the sacred. But I want to reconsider the word from a different perspective. Blasphemy, it's not particularly a bad word. It's a word used to describe insulting or dishonoring the creator or the sacred. And, and I think insulting or dishonoring the sacred or the divine is, a, is something that we should try to avoid, that we shouldn't do. It's not a good thing to do that. Blasphemy is, is, is not good. And, and we should reject it. And I wonder, when we think about creation, if we shouldn't be conscious of avoiding blasphemy in how we speak of creation. If we shouldn't train ourselves to look at the natural world and to see creation and to speak not in terms of insult or curse or dishonoring, but in terms of blessing creation, in terms of honoring, in terms of recognizing the goodness in it, life, the sanctity of life, the goodness of life, the preciousness of life. I think about this in another dog story. When I'm, I walk, um, my dog, particularly the black lab, Shelby, who some of you, some of you see me... I walk dogs a lot, and I'm, many of you have seen me walking my dogs around town. Um, it's what I do. And I think a lot about creation when I walk the dogs because my dogs are interacting with the natural world in ways that I don't usually do, like eating goose poop, for example. I don't do that. But my dog Shelby likes to do that. And when I'm walking my dog Shelby on the mill race, I don't know if, if you are aware that geese are a menace. And their droppings are just terrible. Amen? Come on. They are. They're awful. It's awful. It's a scourge. It's a curse. And I find myself thinking very evil thoughts about geese. Violent thoughts about geese when I'm walking Shelby down the mill race in the spring or in the fall. I, I, I wonder if those thoughts are a kind of blasphemy. And, and if I don't somehow need to find a way to think thoughts and to speak words that honor geese. And I think that blasphemy is something that happens with word and action. We can dishonor the sacred. We can dishonor the goodness in creation by how we interact with it. I want to switch, and the reason I don't like the word blasphemy is that it's a negative word. And I want, us to, to, I want to move us to a positive word in terms of our interactions with creation, and that is blessing. Blessing. You know, it's in the Isaac Watts song. He comes to make his blessings 
flow far as the curse is found. And so, as I want us to avoid blasphemy, I want us to replace it with blessing, with an honoring of creation, a respect for what God has made, so that we might be partners with Jesus, the one who comes to make blessings flow far as the curse is found, that we might be children of our Father in heaven in that blessing. And the same applies to human beings, to our own bodies, for goodness sake, for our own bodies, to not curse them, to not insult them. We, 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 as we age, especially, we, we grumble about our bodies, don't we? But to not insult them, but to recognize their goodness, to honor our bodies, and to honor the bodies of others. To honor and respect the bodies of others. We're going to sing that um, great uh, Franciscan hymn, All Creatures of Our God and King, in response. And you can turn it to it. This is your, this is your sign to turn to it. All Creatures of Our God and King. And there was something about uh, Francis. Francis really keyed in on, on creation and on its goodness, and on its relationship with the Creator. So as we sing these words, let us bless. Let us bless the goodness in what God has created. Forty-eight in the blue hymnal, verses one to four and seven.
Phil, you may be interested to know that what I am going to read this morning is printed in very large letters. <laughs> Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. In these well-known opening lines of Psalm 100, the psalmist both proclaims God's lordship over all creation and invites all the earth to offer praise to God. Mixed into the act of worshiping are elements of adoration, celebration, confession, and blessing. So how do we here at College Mennonite prepare to worship and worship and invite others? We of the Worship Commission are grateful, very grateful, to the many people and the many members involved in the preparation. The pastoral team plans the specific details of a service in a Wednesday meeting. On the Sunday morning of the service, the preacher, worship leader, and song leader meet to go over last-minute details and for prayer. The office staff creates and prints the worship bulletin. Those working with music arrange for persons to play preludes and offertories and accompanies in hymns. Special choirs, children's, adult, and bell practice their numbers for the service. Visual arts people place displays on the platform. Sound technicians make sure the microphones are properly placed and working and that all is ready for broadcast to Greencroft over WGCS and for live streaming on the internet. They also prepare material that is projected on the screens. Weekend custodians prepare our sanctuary for each service. Greeters warmly greet would-be worshipers and with the ushers make them feel welcome. Once the service begins, we members respond by wholeheartedly listening, reading, singing, and praying. What then is our worship commission's role in all this? Simply put, it is to help and enhance the work that these people are doing and address any issues or needs of the different parts of our worship experience. In the recent months, we have, among many other things, created and implemented a plan that involves more members for shorter periods in the visual arts in our worship space defined the qualities sought in the individual to be called to the director of music ministry position, helped plan the timing and features of communion, Christmas Eve, Monday, Thursday, and other special services, worked on methods for recruiting and training greeters for our multiple entrances, prepared bulletin inserts explaining visual displays, and amplifying worship themes. Identified members or attenders whose skills should be used in the visual arts and in music. In the coming months, we hope to work more on resources for using Spanish language and music and on introducing the new hymnal that our denomination will be issuing. The commission wants to be an additional set of ears and eyes for the congregation. The current members of the Worship Commission are Bill Clemens, Carol Guth, Diane Hertzler, Sue Neeb, Phil Waite, and myself, Eric Zare. We are open to hearing from you about worship experiences you affirm and those you have concerns about. May our weekly worship here bring us a sense of comfort and reassurance. May it spiritually challenge us and may it bring us a powerful sense of joy and exhilaration in God's presence.
It's time now to give of our tithes and offerings. You may bring or send your offerings forward, and please sign and pass the friendship books that are located at the ends of your pews. Also, this is the first Sunday of February, so this is a birthday offering Sunday. If you have a birthday in February, please bring those offerings forward. Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, in your goodness, you created all things, and we give you thanks. Make us servants of your blessing on this earth. May our acts give you praise. Make this offering 
that we return to you a blessing for your earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the green, sing the storybook, 76. The Lord bless you and keep you. have sung a benediction to each other, so I will just say, greet each other in the peace and hospitality shown to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, and go in peace.